Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our, our Wednesday evening Bible class. Good to be back with all of our listeners and all of those who are studying along with us through these Wednesday evening Bible classes that we're podcasting over the internet, and also those who follow along for our, in our Sunday morning Bible classes. that We do the same thing. We podcast Wednesday evening Bible class and Sunday morning Bible class for those who cannot be with us at the building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Also for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're thankful to have this opportunity, this means, this ability to be able to reach out in such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet by these podcasts to spread God's word, to teach his word. We pray accurately, effectively, and powerfully to his glory and also to help souls We're thankful that you're there. We're thankful to be able to be here with you as we study God's word this evening. Now, we want to encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. There are people in your life, probably some within your own family, in fact, who you know need to change their thinking. They need to start thinking about their relationship with God. They need to get into God's word because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. They need to start thinking about their souls and about salvation and eternal life because eternity is coming. Help them by sharing these studies with them. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and perhaps some other technological means. But let me encourage you, make up your mind and make that commitment and follow through and start sharing today with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help turn somebody's life around by getting them into God's word by sharing these studies with them. What What a difference that might make for them. It might make an eternal difference. You might help them get to heaven by getting them into God's word. Now, that'll be a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today. We also encourage you to encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. They can click on the listen button at the top of the homepage, or they can scroll down the homepage to the podcast link button, click on that. Either way, they can sign up for our podcasting. When they sign up for a podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, whichever one they choose, they'll automatically receive these Wednesday night Bible classes, Sunday morning Bible classes, all of our sermons, a really great daily Bible class that's short, gets us into God's word, maybe while you're driving to work in the morning or driving back home after work at the end of the day or maybe on a lunch break, whatever it might be, only lasts about 13 minutes, but it gets us into God's Word every day. We call that today's Bible class. Also, they will receive our Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures. All of that will automatically go to their smart device, and it will always be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. So share that information with everybody you can. Take advantage of it yourself as well. 
we're going to get back into our study in 1 Peter. We are in chapter 4. We've looked at the first few verses, verses 1 through 5, and I want us to focus upon verse 6 as we get started today. But first, let's read those first five verses for the sake of continuity in the context that we're looking at. Peter writes, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for, the, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Now, Peter's talking about a changed lifestyle as a person becomes a Christian. When a person is baptized into Christ, first, his sins are washed away by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. Ananias told Saul of Tarsus, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. Second, he comes into Christ because Romans chapter 6 and verse 3 and Galatians 3 and verse 27, both of those verses tell us that we are baptized into Christ. Third, by virtue of having been forgiven of one's sins and being baptized into Christ, where salvation is found, Romans 8 and verse 1, then that person also comes into a state of salvation in Christ. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus told the apostles to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature or to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3 and verse 21, as we studied earlier in this series of studies, that baptism doth also now save us, King James Version. Now, also what happens at baptism is we are born again spiritually. As Jesus told Nicodemus, must happen for a person to see the kingdom of God, to enter the kingdom of God. We're talking about eternal life in heaven, John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. And Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, that anyone who is in Christ has been made new. He is a new creation. Let me read exactly the way Paul put it there. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, spiritually speaking. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we're talking about transformation, literally, from being dead and lost in our sins to being made alive and forgiven and saved in Christ, looking forward to eternal life with him in heaven. We move on to verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 4. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, that is the unbelievers, when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries, and this is just a representative list of sinful lifestyles that people live in and that really take control to a great extent of their lives, 
But once they became a Christian, they were transformed from all of that. They, they took up a new life. They repented of their sins, as Jesus says must happen, in order for us to, again, have eternal life with him in heaven. Except you repent, you will all likewise perish, Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, and again in verse 5. In verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter goes on and says, In regard to these, they think it strange that you did not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Who is that who is speaking evil of you? He's writing this to Christians, remember, and he's just said, you have changed your life. You have been born again. You, you are made new. You're now living a righteous life in Christ. And those unbelievers are those sinful folks who you used to run with and take part in the same kind of wickedness, sinfulness that they're living in. And they think it's strange that you're not still with them. In fact, what what is a reality is that a lot of our old relationships that we used to run with in sinfulness before we become became a Christian, they may look down upon us. They may criticize us, ridicule us, demean us, because we've changed. We're living that new life of righteousness in Christ. Verse 5, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And so Peter is encouraging the Christian. Don't worry about that. They may be ridiculing you. They may think it's strange. They may be challenging you, trying to influence you to come back into that old sinful lifestyle that you used to be living in before you were forgiven and saved in Christ as you were baptized into him for the remission of your sins. But don't, don't let them sway you. They're going to have to give account. They're going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ themselves and give account of the way they have lived their lives before him, whether good or bad. Now, verse 6, and this is a verse of scripture that is difficult for many people to understand, and certainly it, upon just kind of surface level reading, it causes us to scratch our heads and wonder, what is Peter saying here? Verse 6, for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh and live according to God in the spirit. Well, does this mean the gospel was preached to dead people after they died? I don't think we're to understand it that way. Remember, remember going back to verse 19 of chapter 3, Peter hit kind of a similar theme when he said, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Going back to verse 18, and now verse 19, By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in, in prison, who formerly were disobedient when the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. Now, so did Christ somehow, sometime, go back and preach the gospel to those who, were who died, lost in their sins in the days of Noah before the flood? No, that's not what we're to understand, I don't believe. I think what he's simply saying is, for those 120 years or so, during which Noah and his family were building that ark, 
Noah was trying to reach out to the people around him that they were lost in sin. God was bringing judgment through a great flood upon all of mankind, all of the earth, and they needed to repent, but they did not. There's no scripture record that any of them ever did. Through Noah's preaching or teaching, Christ was being preached to them, or the salvation through Christ was being preached to them. Now here in chapter 4 and verse 6, what's he been talking about? In verses 1 through 5, he said, you have been transformed, you've been changed, you've become a new, a new person spiritually because you come into Christ through baptism for the remission of your sins. Those, old, those folks you used to live in the same sinful lifestyle with before you repented and, and were baptized into Christ, they, they may be working on you, trying to bring you back into their lifestyle, but he says, don't worry about that. They're going to give their account for their own lives. They're going to stand themselves before the judgment seat of Christ. And then verse 6, for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead. After they died? No. To those who are dead now. But they were alive when the gospel was preached to them. Now that would include, that would include dead Christians who stayed faithful to Christ. And it would also include those who were unfaithful, those who were lost in sin, who died in their sins. The gospel was preached to those also to, who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh. They're going to be judged by the same gospel message of salvation that we who are still alive will be judged by after we die or after the Lord comes again, but live according to God and the Spirit. They were given that opportunity. Now, those who have died in Christ in a saved relationship they're already living in the spirit, in the spirit realm. Those who died in sin had the opportunity to repent and come to God through Christ and be forgiven. And while they were still alive in this world, live according to the spirit. And in other words, according to the spirit's guidelines laid out for us in God's word. Remember, that God gave us his word through the Holy Spirit who guided human beings, penmen, so to speak, to write it down just as God wanted them to write it down so that we and everybody, as we read it, can have confidence that it truly is God's word and not just something made up by some men on their own. We look ahead to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, and there Peter said, knowing this, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so there's kind of a nutshell understanding of what Peter meant, or rather what the apostle Paul meant, in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, when he said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God-breathed, more literally, in the, in the Greek language. All scripture is God's very word, is the understanding, because he, through the Holy Spirit, guided the men who wrote it down 
to write it down correctly as being God's very word. So, we have God's word. We have the opportunity to read and thereby have our faith develop within us and even grow and guide us to come to God through Jesus Christ, repenting of our sins as we understand, as we study God's word, what sin is, and that we need to repent, that we need forgiveness, and that we need salvation through Christ. The word guides us in in that direction. Now, whether we obey it or not, that's up to us. God has made us free moral agents with a free will to make our own choices. But he has said, if you stay in sin, you're facing eternal condemnation in hell. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. If you repent and come to me for forgiveness as you're baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, then I will give you eternal life. Eternal life. Remember what Romans 6 and verse 23 says. It has both sides of the ledger, both possibilities. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so we come back to 1 Peter chapter 4. We read a little bit further now, beginning with verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, let's go back up to verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. What does Peter mean there? Is he saying the Lord is just about ready to come back when he wrote this down almost 2,000 years ago? Or is he saying, we all need to be ready because we don't know when the Lord is coming back? Or another application that could be also connected with that understanding is that we don't know when we will breathe our last breath physically on this earth. None of us know when we're going to die physically. And so from that sense, from that perspective the end of all things is at hand. Looking forward to the Lord coming again on that final day of judgment to call the saved to be with him in heaven for all of eternity and to condemn the lost to eternal condemnation in hell, that day could be any time. When we look at what Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3 and beginning beginning with... um, Verse 8, he says, Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. You see, God is eternal. 
we are finite. We see things with beginnings and ends. That's how we relate to things. 24 hours in a day, the sun comes up in the morning, goes down in the evening, and then it comes back up the next day. And we count the days in terms of weeks and months and years and so on. But with God, there is no time, basically. He is eternal in nature. Always has been, always will be. And so what's a thousand years in comparison to eternity? Not even the blink of an eye. He goes on in verse 9 and he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So while we are still alive, God is still giving us the opportunity to come to our senses and repent of our sins and come to him through Jesus Christ in baptism for the remission of our sins. At which point, God will forgive us of all of our sins, no matter how bad they might have been, and we will be reborn in Christ. Jesus is the only way to God, John 14 and verse 6. So 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. We don't know when the Lord is coming back. It may not be for 10,000 years, but it may be today, in a minute or two, or in an hour or two, or tomorrow. We don't know. We need to be serious and watchful in our prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. You know, on the night of his betrayal, Jesus told the apostles, he called it a new commandment that he was giving to them. And of course, it was not just to them, it's to us. It's written down in scripture. He said in John chapter 13 and verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, my followers, if you have love for one another. Now, this was a new commandment. Jesus was telling the apostles, and of course, the application to us is Christians, true Christians, that you love one another. And so that's a new direction of love, Christian to Christian and a new depth of love that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus was about to go to the cross for them and for us, that you also love one another. And then here is the impact of that love. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, my followers, if you have love for one another. People who are outside of Christ, ought to be able to see Christ through us, through that image of the love that we have for one another as true fellow Christians. We are the family of God. We're the family of God. Now, love will cover a multitude of sins, Paul, uh, Peter says. When we look at James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, James wrote, brethren, 
if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back? Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Well, if we're truly loving one another to the extent that we care about our brothers and sisters in Christ, we see them struggling in their faithfulness, and we reach out and try to lead them back to faithfulness, as they come back to the Lord, repenting and seeking his forgiveness, oh my, that love demonstrated to them will cover a multitude of sins. The Lord will forgive whatever it is that they need, be, they need to be forgiven of. He goes on and says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 4. Loving one another means loving one another. And he makes, some, he makes application here in verse 10 when he says that we need to help one another based upon our personal abilities, talents, blessings, and opportunities where it would be appropriate. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God blesses each one of us with abilities and also opportunities. He blesses us in those ways, and he expects us to use those to his glory, but also to help other people come to him or be stronger in him. And a number of different passages of Scripture speak along these lines. If we truly love our brother and sister in Christ, we're going to care about them. And we're going to try to help them where they need help and it is appropriate for us to do so. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6, Brethren, speaking to Christians, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, a fellow Christian, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. There's the love, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. We need to care about our brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, we are God's family. God's family. Well, we're going to stop here, and we'll focus on verse 11 beginning next time. So read that ahead. Read through the rest of the chapter, and be ready to think and to learn. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word that you have provided for us, so rich, so meaningful, so encouraging, so blessing. Guide us to live by your word, understanding that it is your word. And please, Father, strengthen us in our faith as we do make the right applications from your word. And we pray that people all over the world will come to you through your word and 
through that avenue, through Jesus Christ, for forgiveness and salvation in him. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.